Welcome to Reliance's Sunday Sermon. Worship with us at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Amen. Yeah. Amen. First of all, I want to say this. If you missed last week or two, um, we are, uh, if you missed, first of all, I want to say this. If you missed last week because of the 4th of July, go back. Watch the online um, uh, 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 sermon that Jacob gave with the youth testimonies. It was a powerful, powerful Sunday morning. All these students sharing their testimonies of what the Lord did at Bold Conference. Jacob gave a powerful word on discipleship. He lined up every generation from 80s all the way down to teens and just prayed over them. It was a move of God in the room. And so I'm going to encourage you to check that out. Um, and, and the reason is, is it speaks so much into what we've been talking about this summer. This summer, we're studying the book of Acts, and as we study the book of Acts, what we're seeing in four walls, but a live church that's alive and on the move. Not dead and bound in four walls, but alive and on the move. And so we're looking back at the church of Acts going, this is the model that they left us on how we're supposed to operate sticks that marked the first church. And if you look at how they operated and you look at characteristics that marked the first church, what we'll see is it was supernatural. Everything that the first church did in the book of Acts was supernatural. And so we're going, how did it look? How did a church that was marked by miracles in this first church? What you'll see is a church that was marked by miracles on the daily. These are, these are the things that you read about. Healing the sick, raising the dead, driving out demons, awesome evangelism. Come on. We're just evident this is what was happening in the first church. And these miracles were just evident that God was alive in the early church. And so we've got to take a look at our own lives and our own bodies in America and our own bodies here and go, why are we not or are we seeing the supernatural things of the Lord alive inside of us? And we've said this every week. It's not because God stopped doing them, FYI. He's still doing those things. It's whether or not we have faith to believe that he's still doing those things. And so we're studying these characteristics and we're going, these were the miracles that marked when God was on the move. We need to see these things again. We need to operate in this way again, where radical evangelism and miracle signs and wonders, because of the gospel message to testify to Jesus, is happening. Here's the crazy thing. Historians will tell you that about six months after Pentecost, there was around 100,000 new believers, new Christians, just in Jerusalem alone. And here's the reality that we need to know. We can trace our faith back to this moment. This moment in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit was poured out. This moment of radical believers filled with the Holy Spirit. Our faith, if you're in here today and you're a believer, we can trace our faith back to this moment. Because this is where Paul is going to have an encounter later on in the book of Acts. Because these men and women were filled with the Spirit of the Lord. And so all of this movement is happening in history and it should stir a question in our life. What is it about them that allowed them to work so powerfully in the ways that God wanted them to work? That should stir in our hearts. Why is it that they walked in such power and God used them in such a miraculous way? Because here's the thing, this was a bunch of nobodies. You've heard that said a thousand times. Nobody knew their names. Nobody knew their statuses. Nobody knew their platforms. Nobody knew where they come from. Yet history records that these men and women turned the world upside down. 
So we can't just settle with coming into church on Sunday morning for an hour and a half time slot, sitting in our chairs going, we're over. Leaving and then coming back and doing it again the next Sunday. Those days are over. And we say this all the time, but we're going to keep saying it. Those days are over. Either the church is going to be supernatural or it's going to be dead. It's one or the other. So you've got these men and women who are a bunch of nobodies, no platforms, no names. Nobody knew where they came from. And they're flipping the world upside down because something is birthing inside of them. And so here we go. We've talked about the supernatural church characteristics is always led by the Holy Spirit. That's what we started off with, always led by the Holy Spirit. We talked about the second characteristic. They had a family DNA inside of them. They weren't acquaintances. They weren't like, oh, I kind of recognize you. I think we go to church together. They weren't acquaintances. They were brothers and sisters in Christ. They were doing life together. And then we talked a couple of weeks ago that they had a missional heart, meaning that they were on mission together. Let me just kind of recap that one for a minute. These were empowered men and women, not a bunch of pastors, not a bunch of teachers, not a bunch of evangelism, regular men and women scattered because Stephen was stoned at a moment when Stephen was stoned, says the church scattered and the gospel went like wildfire. They were in um, 39. Did you know that 39 out of the 40 miracles that you read about in the book of Acts, um, 39 of those occurred outside of the temple? in the everyday streets, in the everyday marketplaces. 39 out of the 40, only one miracle happened in the temple. All the other ones happened outside of the walls. Amen, church. Like this should be what we're seeing on the daily. Not, not look, I, I want miracles in church. Yes and amen to that. Lord, bring them. But I'm saying, if you're here, it's probably because you believe. We need to start seeing miracles on the streets, miracles in the neighborhoods, miracles in our homes. Miracles in our PTO, I always say PTO meeting, I don't know why. Mir I'm not even a part of PTO, by the way. Uh, miracles in our PTO meetings. Like, this is where we need to see the Spirit of the Lord break out. Yes and amen in church, but we're full of faith, and so that's just going to increase our faith. We want to see these things happen. 39 out of 40 of them happened outside of the temple. And so, why is all that important? Because the gospel, the gospel is not about recognizing gifted people, the gospel is about gifting the unrecognized. Oh, man, I was reading a book, and this author throws that down. I'm like, that is brilliant. It's recognizing people out there. They're going, I just don't know what I have to offer. And God goes, you have everything to offer. Listen, church, this is important, and you've heard us say this, but I want you to hear me say this again. Ministry success is not seeding capacity. Ministry success is not seeding capacity. Ministry success is sending capacity. The greatest thing we could ever do is have more chairs that are empty because y'all are doing ministry outside on the streets. Y'all are doing ministry in your neighborhoods. That to me is ministry success. Why? Because that's what it was in the book of Acts. We flipped it around. We're building our things. But I'm telling you, God's saying, I, and I believe this, with our, I'm going to bring back Acts and you guys are going to go and be sent. You're going to be the sent ones. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. So, all right, enough recap on that. Number four, today, another marker that I think is key to the power of the church through the Holy Spirit, the marker that I think that we've got to get radical for again, and, 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 and you hear us talk about this all the time, I'll tell you about that in a moment, we have to have a radical focus on the word of God in the name of Jesus. Radical focus on the word of God in the name of Jesus. I know you guys are going, man, we talk about the word a lot. Um, this is what it means to be gospel-centered, amen? 
we're going to continue to talk about a lot. The marker for the early church was that they were bent on the gospel. It wasn't secondary to them. It was everything. It was from time to time. They didn't occasionally get scripture out and read it. It was everything. It was life. It was what they were bent on. It's what the disciples told Jesus when everybody else was leaving. And they were standing there and he looks at them and he says, you two going to go. And they say, to where else would we go, Lord? You carry the words of life. What you speak out of your mouth, Jesus, is life to us. It is everything to us. And so the early church, they saw the words of Jesus as their life. This was a marker for the early church. The gospel was always partnered with the Holy Spirit, and that's what did the saving, that's what did the healing. Wherever they would go, the Holy Spirit went, and when they preached the gospel with a demonstration of power, there were supernatural things that happened, always. Always supernatural things that happen. So I want you to repeat this with me. I am not ashamed. Oh, let's say it again. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God. Now stop there. I'm going to finish the rest. For salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it, the of God is revealed. The of God is revealed. Jesus the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live. Romans chapter 1 with this. There's a reason he uses the word ashamed because there's a tension in people's hearts when it comes to the gospel that we kind of back away, that we can shy back a little bit because we know it can be offensive and we know it can ruffle feathers and we're a little nervous about it. And so Paul's telling you straight out of the gate, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God. The word of God is the power of God. He says it right here. And he says, I'm not going to back down from that. I'm not going to shy back from that. And so you and I have to get radical again if we're going to be the supernatural church where we're no longer ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is key, church. It's key. The early church, I heard this quote and I liked it. The early church did not offer up pop psychology, polite moralism. How do we be more moral? And a nice sounding inspiration that you can put on coffee mugs. That's not what they offered up. The early church offered up the truth of the gospel. Why? Because no other message does. The gospel carries power. No other message changes people's lives like the gospel. So they didn't sit there and say, you know what? What's some fun tweetable things that we can throw out there? What's some inspiration? They just hammered down on the gospel, demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power, and God moved powerfully. I'm just telling you, if we get back on track with that in our churches today, God's going to move. It's what his word does. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today as he'll be tomorrow. And so if we get back and we stop trying to offer up this like polite, like here's how to be more moral, here's how to be more nice sounding with inspiration, and get back to rooted in the gospel He'll change everybody's lives. Amen, church. So, how does it start? Number one, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Going backwards just for a minute, he says this, and they devoted themselves, everybody say devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles'. So as they gathered together, 
When they got together, they, and here's what they did. They sit down and they devote themselves to the apostles' teachings. They loved the word of God. It wasn't something that was burdensome to them. Note, it is, note, note that it says they, they devoted themselves. Nobody forced this upon them. It was a longing in their hearts. And I'm telling you today, they didn't have Bibles at home that had dust on them because it was just too tough to get into. I'm not throwing darts. If anything, I'm throwing darts at myself here. They had their word open, their scriptures, their scroll, and they were studying them intently because every word that they read, now they saw Jesus in it. They went back to the Old Testament, the apostles' teaching. They were showing how Jesus was in all of the prophecy of the Old Testament. Now they see Jesus in it. They're writing down the New Testament about how they had spent time with the Lord and what his character was like and what he's like and what Christian living looks like. And they were devoted to it and they were hungry for it. Are we hungry for the word like that? Do we hunger? Are we devoted to the word where we're hungry for the word again like that? Do we long for it? We all have things that we're devoted to. I was sharing with the last service. I was gone last week. I was up in Omaha visiting my wife's family, and my father-in-law took me to the Omaha Pickleball Association, all right? (laughs) Basically, it's like 50 people that show up at a park, and uh, I was like, these folks are old. I'm going to crush them, right? And uh, so I show up, and I hadn't played for a while. You guys had knee issues a while back, so this was kind of my first activity. We played for three days straight, two hours a day, all right? And these old folks, like, worked me. I mean, they worked me hard. By the time, like, I had to be basically drug off. By the third day, I was like, that dude's got a new hip. I'm going to start hitting it to his other side, right? So, but I kid, I kid you not, I kid you not, they, they, I said, how are you guys so good? And this is the word that one of the ladies, hours a day, every single day, they're devoted to it. I'm sure they go to church somewhere in there, all right? But they're devoted to it. And they're devoted to this. You could be seven days, I'm hobbling off after day three, and they're devoted to this. You could be devoted to so many things in life. You can be devoted to your family, and so you go to work, work hard, try to go to school, you work hard, you get your good grades, you, you can be devoted to good health and physical health, so you eat healthy, and you exercise, and you get good rest. All of those things are fantastic, but none of them are compared to what it is that the disciples were devoted to, which was to the word of the Lord. Listen to what Job says. He says, I've treasured the words of his mouth more than food. Job 23, 12, Job goes, more than anything else, I'm so devoted to your words that I've treasured them more than something else that could fill me. Peter's going to use similar language when he's crave that spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. There's a devotion in our heart out of all the things that we're called to be devoted to. It's we're called to be devoted to the word of God. There's something that marked the first church that when they were devoted to this, everything around them became supernatural and changed. Church, let me say this. There comes a time when we need to prioritize our spiritual growth. We need to prioritize. I get it. We're busy. I, man, I've been in ministry for 20 years now, and I hear, all, just busy. I've got lots going on. Yeah, I dip in from time to time and read this, and, you know, it's, it's, I try to focus on it. I'm not, th- please hear me. I'm not trying to throw darts. I'm simply saying if we want to be the supernatural church, we've got to prioritize our spiritual growth again. We've got to hunger for the word of the Lord again. We've got to be devoted to the word of the Lord again. There's something that's been on my heart with this. I've been in a dry spell lately just in my own spirit. 
just pressing into the Lord, and Lord, what are you trying to do in the valley season for me? Not my first time I've been in a valley, but just, Lord, Lord, what do you want to do? And he keeps taking me to the same scripture verse in Matthew 5, 6, in the Beatitudes, same one every time. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness, for they will be what? They'll be what? They'll be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. This word has just been burning on my heart lately. And righteousness is what? According to Romans 1, righteousness, the righteousness of God is Jesus Christ. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for Jesus, for they will be satisfied. It's a longing for the Lord again. It's a longing for his word. I'm telling you this, hungry people do radical things. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? You ever been hungry? Hungry people do stupid things, radical things. If you've ever seen somebody who's hungry, they ain't worried about what people think. You ever seen somebody who's hungry, they simply want bread. <laughs> That's what they want. So if you've ever seen somebody who's hungry, they do radical things. And I'm telling you right now, if we're hungry for Jesus, all we're going to want is Jesus. We'll do radical things. Supernatural church, to be the supernatural church, to get back to our roots means that we've got to be back to devoted to God's word again, not treat it as optional. And I'm telling you right now, when our word life and our prayer life are not optional any longer, but we're devoted to those things, you will live a lifestyle of worship, I promise you. The word of God was dominant, dominant in the first church. It's why you'll listen to Solomon say in Proverbs chapter four, verse 20 through 22, my child, pay attention to what I say. Look what he says. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring what? Say it again. They bring what? They bring life to those who find them. And he's not done. And they bring what? Healing to their whole body. I had a chance to go out to a night with a guy named Dan Boye. Dan Bo Bohai? Bohai, I think is his name. And uh, uh, out at the presence house, he did three nights of kind of healing and stuff. He'd come like six months ago. I watched, man, I watched him move where people were healed that night. I mean, I watched people, I was sitting beside people where their knees, like one guy came hobbling in, got healed, could walk out. I mean, I watched it, I have faith in it, I believe it to the core, and, and it was awesome. And so this last week, uh, a couple weeks ago when we went out there, I saw healings take place again, and here's what I noticed about Dan. I was enamored by that, I was like, wow, that's fantastic. I mean, I came in with faith that God was going to move, but it was the miracles that were awesome. Don't get me wrong, that was awesome. You want to know what really captured my attention about Dan, though? It was that he knew the word. And I don't mean he just knew the word. I don't mean he memorized. He didn't memorize scripture. I mean, please hear me. He fed on scripture and it became his life. So the guy's sitting there going, did you know there's 623 scripture verses on? And he throws something out. And I was like, yeah, right. You know all 623. He rattles off like 50 of them. And I was like, I'm good. I believe you, right? He didn't just memorize the word. The word was his life. When Jesus says, my words are life, he believes it. So Dan goes around, and when he begins praying over people, it has nothing special because of what Dan does. FYI, you guys can do the same miracles. Same miracles, you can do them. Here's what it was about Dan. He knew the word so intently that when he prayed over people and he spoke the word of the Lord, it wasn't just rattling off something he memorized. It was life coming out of him. This is why Solomon, wisest guy to ever live outside of Jesus. 
says, don't lose sight of my words. Let them penetrate into your heart, for they bring life. to be the supernatural church again to the whole body. If we want to be the supernatural church again, we've got to believe that the words of Jesus are life. Not just memorization things, but life. So practically, what does this look like? Practically, what does it look like to live a devoted life? The first thing is this. We've got to be committed to the authority of Scripture. We can't dabble with this thing of going, I believe most of it, but not all of it. We can't dabble with the authority of Scripture and go, you know what? There's some parts that I really wrestle with because the Lord seems like he's mean right there. So I'm just going to throw that out and believe that was not of him, and I'm going to believe everything else. Look, God has a plan in all of his word. Amen? So we, if we're going to be devoted to the word, we got to be committed to the authority of scripture. Practically speaking, when we get together, scripture should shepherd us in everything that we do. When we get together in our life groups, in our small churches, when we launch our house churches here at the end of August, 1st of September, everything that we do, yes, let's, let's talk shop a little bit, let's talk about the score of the game and how K-State wiped everybody off the map, all that stuff, let's talk about that, but let's be radical to make sure that the majority becomes the authority of ever. We're being shepherded by the word of the Lord, and that it becomes the authority of everything in our life. So that we don't bounce around and be tossed by every wind of doctrine. Amen? Number two, once we commit to the authority of Scripture, here's how we're devoted. Then we study Scripture. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but we can't be believe or think that coming on a Sunday morning should be our only time where our Bibles are open. We just can't. Again, I say it again. We can't do that anymore. If we want supernatural church to break out, then you and I are going home and we're studying the word of the Lord. We're living in it. We're getting it open more than just that, you know, every few days thing. And I'm not throwing darts again. Please hear me. I'm simply saying if we want to believe that the church of Acts is still for us today, then we study the word of the Lord. And it doesn't just happen because a pastor or a teacher or somebody teaches you that. It's because you have revelation because you're spending time with Jesus. Number three, this is going to sound crazy, but once we study it, we have to apply it, okay? Everybody say application. We apply the scripture to your life. Once we've studied it, how does it change me? Am I thinking differently in something in my life? How am I taking action on this? Is this supposed to redefine something in my life? How does my life reflect what it is that I just read? I want to take what I just read, the silver and gold I have to my life. Oh, so, so Peter lays hands on a guy and says, silver and gold I ha have I none, but in the name of the Lord Jesus, rise and walk. How does that affect me today now when I see somebody like that? The same spirit that lives in him lives in me. Does it change my life? And so... One of the ways in which we have a litmus test then of going, how do I know if I'm devoted then? How do I know if I'm devoted to the word? I'm just going to say this. One of the ways in which we know if we're devoted to the word is the word produces a faith in us that produces obedience in our life. I'm going to say that again. How do I know if I'm devoted to the word? It should produce a faith in us that produces an obedience in us to what he says. What do I mean by that? Well, John 14, 21 says, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll Obey me, and I will come and make myself manifest among you. You know what manifest means? I'm going to come and reveal myself to you. So one of the ways in which we can know if we're devoted to the word of God is this. 
Is Jesus showing up in your life? Is Jesus showing up in your life? He's not hiding from you. I'm read it again. If you love me, you'll obey me, and I will come and make myself manifest among you. I'll show up. Look, if you're out there going, I don't know that Jesus has showed up in my life. Oh, it's about to get real for you. He's going to show up. He's true to his word. When we're devoted to the word of God and we're studying the word and we're applying the word and we're obeying the word and our faith is rising and what he says, we believe it. He shows up. How do I know this to be true? Because this is what Acts is all about. Ananias and Peter and Paul and all the other guys in there, when the Lord spoke and they moved and they walked in it, God showed up. Prison doors broke open. Peter walks out of a prison. Amen? Like, like these things happened. And they still can. You gotta be devoted to the word. Gotta be devoted to the word. They heard the voice salute. Obedience and faith. And God simply moved. The second part, real quick, is they were devoted to the name of Jesus. These two things are tied together. Everything that the there's power, they were devoted to the name of Jesus. How many of you guys know there's power in a name? There's power in a name. When, when I was in trouble and knew that I was getting a spanking, I heard Aaron, and then I heard this middle name, Matthew Wallace, and I was like, I'm dead. <laughs> I could hear Aaron, I was fine. I could hear Wallace, I was fine. Aaron Matthew Wallace meant, dear Lord, run and hide, right? <laughs> there's power in a name. Biblically, there's power in names. It, names carried meanings behind them. It's why you don't see a whole bunch of kids running around called Jezebel anymore, right? Come here, you little Jezebel, right? That's weird. Or Methuselah or whatever, right? So, you, like, there, there's power in names. And here's what we see. Solomon writes in Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is like a strong tower. The righteous person runs to it and is safely on high. He, he doesn't say the name of the Lord he doesn't say, or, 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 or the, the place of the Lord. He says, the name, to the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is like a strong tower. The righteous run to the name of the Lord. Philippians 2, 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. At the name, when the name of Jesus is mentioned, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is a big deal in the book of Acts. Over 35 times it will mention the name of Jesus when signs, wonders, and miracles are breaking out. 35 different times. In fact, almost every time that you see the first church put on trial, you see Christians uh, persecuted, put on trial, or, or, or executed, or whatever it may be, almost every single time, it wasn't because of the miracle they did, it was because they did it in the name of Jesus. Almost every single time. Rome hated Christianity, not because they were afraid of this little sect of people, but because they were doing it in the name of Jesus, and Jesus was taking place of the emperor worship that they liked. The Jewish elites were irritated, not at the miracles that they were seeing, but because they were doing it in the name of Jesus, in whom they crucified. Peter's put on trial, he's in Acts chapter 5, verse 27, when Peter's put on trial, he's brought before them, and he says this, and the high priest questioned them, saying, 
we strictly charge you have filled your reach in this name. Yet here you, have been, here, here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter responded with the apostles and answered, we must obey God rather than man. Okay? So here's Peter saying, it, we are loyal to one name. We're not loyal to systems. We're not loyal to politics. We are loyal to one name, and that name that we are loyal to is the name of Jesus. We will never stop that. No man will ever stop us from talking about the name of Jesus. Now, I could rattle off 20 scripture verses, but we don't have time, of every time you see the name of Jesus in Acts. Acts chapter 2 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter says, repent, let each of you baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. Peter said, silver, gold have I none, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, walk. We could go on and on and on. No other name has drawn such love, admiration, conflict, and war than the name of Jesus. I'm telling you right now, the greatest weapon that we have against Satan is the name of Jesus. In Jesus' last hours in John 17, we always get radical on this verse because we talk about the unity that he talks about. It's a high priestly prayer. He's always in John 17. We always focus on the unity, oh, that they would be one as we are one. But listen to what he says about his name. I will remain in the world no longer, but they still will be in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father, protect them by the power of what your name the name that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one we usually focus on the one thing while I was with them I protected them and kept them safe by that name that you gave me church I, I think oftentimes about this how it's funny to me, if you were saved, if you were in a situation and you were drowning in an ocean and a guy named Bill jumped in and saved you, you would tell everybody about Bill, wouldn't you? Bill saved me. Bill was my hero. Bill kept me from drowning. Bill is the man. Bill is the greatest guy I've ever met in my life. And here you have a Jesus Christ who has jumped in, who has saved you, who has redeemed you. Is he on your lips like Bill would be? Who is filled with hope, filled with joy, filled with peace. And I'm asking, is he on your lips like Bill would be? Because Jesus jumped in. <laughs> and so, so I'm saying that the name of Jesus should be on our lips. At your name, Jesus, your word says the enemy must flee. Why is this so important? Because he is worthy for his name to be on our lips. Oh, man. Yeah, stop there. So here, here's what I want today. I just want to pray for a moment. The band's going to sing here in just a minute. My challenge is this. Is the name of Jesus on your lips? Is the name of Jesus the power on your lips? Are you talking about him on your street corners? Is he coming up in your conversations? Is Jesus, are you trying to work him into your, your pickleball associations? Are you, is the name of Jesus on your lips and on your heart where just like the first church, he's coming up all the time. I mean, people are going, this dude talks about Jesus all the time. Are you devoted to him? Because that's what marked the first church. And then are you devoted to his word? I don't mean like dabbling in it from times. Are you devoted to his word? Do you desire, do you long for it? Is it life to you? Is it healing to you? 
band plays, I just want you to take some time, form just where you're at in your heart with the Lord. Go before him, Lord, I want your name to be on my lips. I want your word, Jesus. I want to long for it. I want to feed on it. I want it to be life and sustenance to me. I don't want it to be just dabbling in it from time to time. This is a characteristic that brings us to the supernatural church where we get to walk like they did in the book of Acts. Let me pray over us today. Father, we love you. Declare your word as truth. Jesus is on every tongue today. I pray that, I pray, Father, from the time that we lips today, I pray that the name of Jesus is on our hearts today. I pray, Father, from the time that we wake up, our one desire is, how can I say the name of Jesus in my conversations today? Everywhere I say the name of Jesus in my interactions today. How can I say the name of Jesus everywhere I go? I pray that that's the longing on our hearts when we wake up. And I believe, Father, because your word says it, that when we walk in that way, that we can declare, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God, the power of God in our lives. Would you allow us to hunger again for your word? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just take some time and pray. When you want to stand and worship, stand and worship. Man, let's get radical again for this. I still Thanks for tuning in today. To find out how to get more involved, go to reliancecommunity.org. Have a great week.